Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene and Meet Me at the Movies right here on WGWG and also C19 TV. Uh, we talk movies uh, each week, each episode, and uh, we get a chance to do movie reviews and all sorts of other uh, amazing things, including interviews with filmmakers. And uh, today we're very happy uh, to be celebrating uh, Mary Poppins' returns on this episode of Cinema Scene and Meet Me at the Movies. We have Matt Johnson. Matt Johnson is a visual effects um, special. What is your official title for this film, Matt? Hi, my, I'm, I guess, my official question, I guess my official title is I'm the visual effects supervisor. Okay. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns, visual effects supervisor, but your body of work goes back two decades. Uh, in recent years, you've worked on films like World War Z, X-Men First Class, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, but you know, going back decades, I guess we could look at things like V for Vendetta, uh, Band of Brothers, which was an amazing uh, miniseries, uh, and uh, also The Avengers, Lost in Space. Uh, and is it true that you also worked on Space Jam back in 1996? Yes, and it's funny. Yes, Space Jam was, uh, you might be sound incredibly old by saying that, so thank you for <laughs> straight off the bat. Sure, man. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I started. I was nine years old when I when I, when I worked on Space Jam. Really. That's great. That's great. Um, so, so yeah, no, Space Jam was was uh, yeah actually the first time I I came to to Hollywood to to work on a movie. So um, yeah, I'd done a few things in England before that, but yeah, the Space Jam was the first time in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, yeah, I was I was a very lowly junior person, but uh, it's interesting to have started in uh, in LA with Space Jam and then uh, be doing. Uh, sort of an, uh, the iconic film with live action and, and animation sort of bang up to date with Mary Poppins Returns. It's, it's been an interesting journey. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the kind of the, the similarities between Space Jam and uh, Mary Poppins Returns because you do have that live action and uh, interacting with the animation. Talk about maybe some of the similarities and some of the ways that you've seen that process change for you. They're two obviously extremely different films, uh, and the style of the animation, obviously, Space Jam was very much that sort of, you know, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes kind of style, Bugs and Daffy, and, and very kind of, I know, Chuck Jones and, and Freeform, whereas on Mary Poppins Returns, we were really trying to recreate, I think, what's called the Silver Age of Disney animation, that kind of, you know, the iconic 60s films like 101 Dalmatians, and obviously the, the, the first sort of Mary Poppins movie. So... I mean, I think that the similarities really is that the, for the live action, we're both shot uh, in green screen. But I think that just the, the level of, of te technical complexity that, that we've sort of, in the, I don't know, what is it, in 20 years or whatever since Space Jam yeah. has really moved things forward, that we were able to really, I think, integrate the cast, uh, the live actors, Lynn and, and Emily and the kids, back into the world a little bit more successfully. Um, and also just the techniques and style that we use. They're two very different styles of film, and I think uh, just because of the nature of, of what the, the looks that we're trying to recreate, I just think we just use different sort of techniques. It's, I think Mary Poppins is I mean, a little bit more sophisticated and, 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 and a theatrical and, and a little graceful, whereas uh, I know it was Bugs and Daffy on a basketball court, and uh, they, were, <laughs> they were going some. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as I watched Mary Poppins Returns, uh, I've seen it a few times already, and uh, my favorite family film of 2018, and it did such an amazing job uh, taking the story 
and and making it feel fresh, but at the same time nostalgic. And your approach to uh, you know paying homage to that um, you know, that, that those original techniques where it felt so fluid. Um, how much time and effort went into looking at the original Mary Poppins from fifty plus years ago? And trying to model it um, after that, uh, with with of course the the techniques you've got now. I mean, I think it's interesting. Obviously, the first film uh, from a visual effects point of view. I mean, they won the Oscar. It was at Peter Ellenshaw. The work that those guys did, his team was was groundbreaking. I mean, everyone knows the sort of you know the the matte painted views of London and you know climbing the the smokestack up to the top to, to dance with the switch chimney sweeps and stuff like that. It's it's part of visual effects film law. I mean, the Jolly Holiday animation sequence is like something every, everyone knows and loves as a kid. And certainly when I was very little and I started becoming interested in, in working in visual effects when I was six years old. So it, I'd certainly, it would be movies like Mary Poppins that I was like, how do they do that? And started even then trying to read about it and, and understand the techniques that they used. But I think that it was, obviously I, I'm very aware of the first film. I mean, I think most of your listeners are. It's, it's just one of that iconic sort of part of, I know it's the zeitgeist. It's, it's what we all grew up with and, and go back with, through the generations to you know, watch it as kids or share it with our children or grandchildren. It's just, it's one of those movies. Of course it is. However, I think I had, you, you're seeped and soaked in, in, in the first film. But then it was an opportunity to, I don't, I don't think you could remake Mary Poppins. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think anyone would want to, right. to remake the first film. So right. I think there, there was definitely that. Yes, of course, everyone was incredibly sort of and respectful of of, of the, the nineteen sixty four film. But as you, you rightly said, we wanted to bring it up to date to, to to give you that connection to make you feel as though you were in in that world. But also, it's the twenty first century, and, and maybe kids haven't seen the first film yet, and um, hopefully they will after they see Mary Poppins Returns. But the two had to obviously exist in parallel, but then Mary Poppins Returns has to kind of work in its own right. And in terms of the, the techniques we use, I mean, I think we, I was certainly aware of the, 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 you know, the multiplane cameras and things like that that they used in the first film. And, and in my case, we did do I know, the up-to-date versions of that because I think that the, the, the visual effects team in 1964 were using absolutely the state-of-the-art cutting-edge technology that was available to them, the, the Sodi Mellow screens that Disney used back in the day. Right. As I say, the multiplane cameras, all of the, the practical effects that they were using were absolutely state-of-the-art and deservedly sort of have found their place in kind of film law. And I think that, that it was we were beholden to an art in, in, in 2018 to do exactly the same thing, to use... We were literally writing new software, coming up with, like, how on earth are we going to do that? And coming up with new ways to do it, whether it's physically or, or just, I mean, the, the geeking out on, on having to write new code and come up with new techniques to sort of I mean, sit those worlds together. So I think we were just trying to build on the legacy of the original film, but yes. also make something that, that works for audiences now as well. Yeah, and, and it did. My, my son is one of those you mentioned uh, as a generation who had not seen the original. Um, he's 19, and so... Uh, the night before we had the screening for this, he watched the original. And so for him, it was so fresh in his mind, and he was just blown away. He said it just fluid sequel. It just felt, it felt right. I think the film hit on so many um, different levels of practically perfect, uh, from the music, from the songs, from the dance numbers, uh, the effects, the story, the acting. 
uh, it just hit it, um, it hit it out of the park, and that is so difficult to do because that original film was so iconic, so legendary, and yet here we are trying to bring back these characters and this place that is so special to so many people again, and it worked. And what do you, you. what do you attribute the success of this movie to? I mean, I think that so one of the key sort of thing is is actually is our director Rob Marshall. Yeah, Mary, the the first Mary Poppins film is. Um, I was I was with him last night talking about it. It was one of. It, it is literally the first film he ever saw at the cinema when he was wow. four years old. He, like, wow. he saw Mary Poppins, and it made such a profound impression on him that it's it's one of the reasons he wanted to get into sort of you know performing arts and theatre and, and the movies. It was just something that was I know special to him. So when I know that uh, sort of I know years later when sort of it was first being muted that maybe that you could do another Mary Poppins movie, Rob really felt that he had to do it. It had to be him to do it because he was so, he just wanted to protect the, the first film. He didn't want Mary Poppins to start singing Let It Go from Frozen or something like that. He wanted to <laughs> to, to protect the, uh, I know, the, the legacy of the film. And I, and, I, and I do think that he was, is the only choice for somebody to, to do that because for him it's so much about character and performance and, and emotion and just I know the, the, the level of precision I mean I've, I've done a couple of films with Rob and he is so incredibly precise and detailed about everything literally everything um, but yeah it's just a sort of yeah I can't imagine I think a lot of it's down to Rob and the, the way he engendered all of us the kind of I know the key team, the John Meyer, the production designers, Andy Powell, the costume designer, all of us, and Dion Beebe, the, the DOP, to, to really, I know, we wanted to do the very best we could. We were all very, I know, we all grew up with the first film. We all knew what it is that we were shooting for. And it, it is a daunting task when you first could have asked to do it. You think, yes. really, are we going to be able to pull this off? Because, I mean, it could have really spectacularly gone wrong. <laughs> um, right. But I do think under under Rob's leadership, um, we all really, everyone was on the A game. Yeah. Uh, everyone was doing 100, 110% yeah. all the time for everything from start to finish. And I think hopefully that's what, I mean, people made this film, and it sounds, this is going to sound cornball, but people made this film with love, and hopefully you see a bit of that on the screen. Yeah, to me it does. I, I've, it gets better with each viewing, and uh, with each viewing you see you see different elements and different things that come to life, and uh, just magnificent work. Um, kudos to everyone involved uh, in this in this film. You talked, you know, you talked about Rob. Thank this you. being that first film that he remembers seeing in a theater. And you talked about remembering it, you know, the effects back when you were a kid, six years old. What, what was it, uh, at what point early on in your life did you say, wow, I want to know more about filmmaking. I want to know more about how they do this. And what, what was it that took you on that journey? Absolutely. I mean, it's, and it's funny, and I'm sure many of your uh, listeners can, can relate to this. It was, it was the first time I saw the original Star Wars film. I was uh, six years old. Uh, and I can still remember now being taken to my uh, to the cinema. My father sort of drove me. My brother was too young; he had to get left behind, and he was really upset. Yeah. And sort of seeing that seeing that film at our local cinema in England, um, I left the cinema. I was either going to be an astronaut or I wanted to make movies. And uh, my uh, dad very kindly, my parents 
uh, I, I was just still six, bought me a very old 19, uh, 1960s stock frame, uh, like old film camera, yes. a, a standard eight Bolex, a Bolex PT Palliard. I still have it. Wow. Um, and I started, I started making films when I was six and wow. I started building, uh, I, I turned my parents' garage into a little film studio and I animated my Lego and built models and then made little James Bond films wow. and I sort of did that. So that, that was my childhood for like, and uh, as I was getting older, video cameras started to become a thing, but they were incredibly expensive. So it was for a birthday treat, uh, my parents would rent, because you had to in those days, rent a VCR video recorder camera. Yes. And I'd spend the weekend making a movie. And that's that's really what I did. And there was a magazine called uh, Cine Facts, which is still going strong today, which is yes. really the Bible for visual effects. Right. Uh, my grandmother got me my first copy of Cine Facts. It was actually a secondhand kind of threadbare copy when I was 11 years old of the, the E.T. Cinefax magazine. And um, I start, must have read that 50 times or something. And I started, there was a, a secondhand comic book store in the town where I lived in England. And I'd, I'd go in every week to see whether they had like a copy that they'd picked up from I don't know, a supplier or another comic store or something like that. I asked the comic book store guy to look out for them for me. And so I started to build up a collection of in random order, just, and I wouldn't have some for a few months, then I'd get two or three or whatever of those Cinefest magazines, and I, I literally devoured them. And I wow. would read and reread them and, and, and understand. So even as a child, I was very steeped in the technical processes. I actually read a lot of, I know, the technique of special effects cinematography and, and the, the various opt books about optical cameras and printing and things like that. And I, I, so I guess I was a appallingly precocious 10-year-old or something. Yeah. Um, and then I went, so that was kind of my thing. And then ultimately from there, I went to film school and, and actually did film directing at film school and, and was quite successful at, at that within a student level and did awards and stuff. Um, but then I got a job, but visual effects was always a, a keen interest to me. I got a job um, as a runner, literally making coffee for people at a visual effects facility in London when they were opening up. And then I started at the bottom and, uh, and worked my way up. And, and I guess here I am. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you go back to that childhood. And so for you, it really was, you, you pretty much knew early on that what fascinated you were the visual effects. Is that, is that the part that really fascinated you the most about, about film? I think it is. I think it was, was seeing different, and it was it was things like the first Mary Poppins film, yeah. things like that. I'd sit and try and work out how they were done. Yeah. And I think it was also just the, the I know, the fantasy world yes. kind of element. It's like yes. doing something, making the impossible come. It's kind of like magic. I was, I was yes. interested in like magic tricks and, and things like that as well. So it was really a kind of, it, it was movie magic. And yes. I, I read a lot about that sort of stuff and and I was a little kid when, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark was coming out and all those kind of things, which I just sort of, I know, it was a great time to be a kid watching movies, you know, the kind of I know, late 70s, early 80s and stuff like that with, yes. with all those kind of films which are now iconic. And so, yeah, it was like, how did they do that? How did, how did, how did both the, the physical effects, the practical effects, and then also just seeing as the technology has, has grown and, and developed over the years. Yeah, I, you know, the same way with me. My, the first movie I ever remember seeing was a visual effects film, and uh, the town that I grew up in in North Carolina uh, would have these monster matinees on Saturdays. And my mom, when I was five years old, uh, took me to see the original Frankenstein, or the Frankenstein with Boris Karloff. Mm -hmm. 
And I just remember being sure. blown away by by this film and the makeup and the effects and all of that. And then you mentioned Star Wars. And for me, the second film that had the greatest impact on me was Star Wars as well, uh, because I had mm-hmm. never seen anything like that before. And it is the magic of Hollywood, through it, whether it's the makeup, whether it's the practical effects or the digital effects, finding ways to take people, take audiences into other worlds and or other places yes. or other dimensions and uh, and making them feel like they are right there. And um, that is just a, a beautiful and amazing thing that that you as artists are able to do and able to recreate when you can take people to other places. That's just incredible. And uh, I know for you, uh, you know, growing up loving that and now being on the other end of it where, where you're able to present it um, talk about that joy that you get from doing this thing that you've always loved. Now you're able to, to you know, inspire young kids that are six or seven or ten years old doing the same kind of thing. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, as a boy, I remember uh, my, fa- my family didn't come from any kind of a film background by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I was just a, sort of a fan and a film lover, and I'm just lucky I had very supportive parents. But I did. Rem- I remember writing a letter as a kid to Derek Meddings, who was a British visual effects supervisor who did you know, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movie and some of the, the Roger Moore, James Bond films. And yes. he also made, I don't know how familiar you are over here in the States, but there was a, a show made in the, before I was born, but I saw the reruns in the 60s called uh, Thunderbirds, which was this sort of you know, action puppet sort of show, yes. which yes. had really groundbreaking models and miniatures and things like that. So I, I actually wrote a, basically a letter to Derek Meddings when I, again, I must have been about I know, 10 or 11, just saying, look, I'm, and this is what I'm interested in doing and, and how, I, how, do I, how do I get a job and how do, how do I become part of, of this world? And he took the time to kind of to write back. And actually, I got invited to, uh, to Pinewood Film Studios. And that was the first time I ever went there, which is wow. actually ironic because now I, I've worked there a bunch of times and got to look around and he was making this, the film Supergirl, and, and uh, I got to be on, on stage, which, again, our stage at Pinewood, which I've shot at now, subsequently <laughs> years later in my career. Yeah. Uh, I got to, you know, wave smoke guns around and, and really sort of and they'd start to get a sense of it. And then, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's great because I think sometimes I'm... I know, obviously, it, I know it, I'm sure the, the, I know the audience will... Well, I kind of... Uh, I know, maybe... Uh, Sort of uh, play violin. Think, imagine I'm listening to violins or something. But yeah, obviously the, the job is hard and it, it's pretty stressful and it's long hours and all those kind of things. But I do think that if I could go back in time and tell my six-year-old self that I would have just been the visual effects supervisor on on the new Mary Poppins movie, I, I don't know. You have to pinch yourself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. it's been a lot it's to, uh, to to think about it. At what point do you get involved in these films? Are you involved all the way from? you know, pre-production through post-production. Uh, for Mary Poppins, um, as an example, when did you first get involved in that, and um, and how, what was that process like? Uh, I mean, I was involved in Mary Poppins for two years. Wow. I was involved very kind of early on um, from sort of the original script because uh, it's it's one of those things where you get the, I had the call, and, and would I want to do it? And it's like, yes, absolutely. And you get, <laughs> I got sent over the script. And yeah. then, 
I got I, I got sent the script an hour before my first call with with Rob Marshall. So I was like speed reading the script, trying to think what's what's kind of coming up, what's he going to what's he going to ask? Yeah, yeah. So you are very much involved in in in, in many films now, particularly films like this, because Mary Poppins obviously does magical things in a magical world. And any time anything magical happens, they turn, tend to turn to the visual effects supervisor and go, how are we going to do that then? So you are very much involved in really determining what's real, how it's going to be filmed, what the techniques are involved. We did um, sort, of, uh, sort of meetings about the animation sequence and just how that was going to work. So and we, we um, like the summer before we started filming, we were actually in, in Los Angeles shooting a little, a brief kind of test uh, with like a kid on a, a green screen and, and a guy in a sort of a, a suit and things like that, just to get a, a to do an animation test, and that was one of the things that helped sell the ideas to the studio that yeah, this could work. This could be the modern way of, of kind of doing this and, and, and bringing it up to date. So, and so then you go through the whole process of you know, working with the script, working with the production designer John Meyer, working with the producers, and, and how really narrowing down how everything is going to get made. Right. We did previews on the movie when you made little um, animatics of sequences, like the underwater sequence or the balloon sequence, for example, or climbing Big Ben. We made little I know, digital versions of what that could be to show ideas for the cut which, that would inform how we would film it. Yeah. We kind of, yeah, so we spent months and months and months. Wow. Obviously, there's bidding involved and who were doing breakdowns and money and budgets and all of that sort <laughs> right. of boring stuff. Right. All of that has to happen, and that's before you even, like, day one turnover yeah. roll cameras. So then I'm on set throughout uh, the shooting process. In many cases, they'd send me off to go shoot my own stuff if I needed to, but then I'm also there for Rob to really be there, make sure everything's okay, ask any questions. This is literally just, this is how we're going to do it, and this is what needs to be done. Then, obviously, into post, then there's, that's the whole other part of the job where, where they're then it's it's that we had a team of I don't know I can't even think how many I don't know five or six hundred people probably wow. ended up working in my department on the film wow. at the different vendors in, across the world just trying yeah. to do the shots and I guess um, I guess creatively uh, responsible for, for all of their shots and, and presenting them to Rob and really making sure and as I say working with a director like Rob Marshall you're really making sure that you you nail what he's after every single time yeah and. Uh, yeah, and that, I mean it was a it was a because of the animation sequence particularly, but, but but also some of the other. We had a it was a good year in post production, just putting all of this stuff together. Wow, you know, to me that's the amazing thing. And and general audiences, if they do not sit through the credits, sometimes they don't realize the amount of people it takes to pull uh, a film together. Uh, it is a, a, an army of just um, co-workers that are, have to come together as a team to make something work. And you mentioned, you know, 600 or so people involved in just the effects alone, and that's just absolutely amazing. So anytime I'm talking to, uh, to film students uh, for film criticism or things like that, I'm like, sit through the credits. Sit through the credits yeah. and just take in the people that it takes to make it happen because it's that's their job. But it's also, uh, for many, it's their passion, it's their love, and they're doing it for us who are sitting there in those seats eating popcorn, drinking a Coke Absolutely Icy, no. you know? Um, Absolutely. No, I mean, it, 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 I think it's completely true. Cause, yeah, that, that you, you think, oh, there's just this sea of names, but every one of those is a person, and every one of those is, is bringing something 
yeah, they're really trying, they've really worked hard to bring something kind of cool and interesting. And, and it was like some of them aren't getting paid a huge amount of money, certainly not when they're starting off. I know I certainly didn't. So, but you do, I always thought of it, it's more of a vocation than a career. You kind of do it because you love it. And I mean, so those people, will, will, I mean, I, I've slept by my computer when I was, when I was an artist. You end up just getting completely into it. And yeah, that's, yeah, it's, I think that's a very good point. We're like everyone from, Everyone's played their part, yes. and uh, yeah, you look at these kind of individual effects. Hundreds and hundreds of people's names go by on, on some of the bigger movies, but yeah, every one of them is trying to to, to make the best the best thing that they can do and, and, and make the audience enjoy it. Yeah, what was there a particular set piece that really stood out to you in Mary Poppins Returns that you just thoroughly enjoyed working on, and then you thoroughly enjoyed once you saw it finally uh, on that final cut? I mean, I think it's, I don't think there's one. I don't think I could narrow it down to one, but I do think, and they're the obvious ones. It's the big kind of, and their production numbers, there's the kind of the sequence where Mary and the kids sort of go underwater, which was just a fun challenge because we did a lot of previews and came up with a lot of ideas for that sequence, which was fun. Obviously, the animated sequence was extremely technically challenging, but... I actually watched the movie again last night with uh, an audience and just watching people's reactions to that and you know, the gasps when the, I know, all the animals are dancing, things like that. I think that yes. I'm, I'm very pleased with. Yeah. And just yeah. at the end, just knowing that, that you know, the balloon sequence when people are kind of floating around and, yes. and happy and things like that. And then, like, sort of the, the people around me crying and yes. knowing that something that you've done has, has made them, I know, cry but tears of joy rather than, you know, it, that. It's, yeah, it makes you feel special to be involved in something. Well, I um, I had the opportunity to take uh, college students to an early screening uh, to this, and uh, you mentioned the crying. I mean, the, you know, the, I've got you know college guys bawling their eyes out because it just touched them, and they said, "I'm not afraid to admit yeah. it. This was a movie that just really hit me." And when yeah. when a piece of art can do that, no matter what that art is, when it can evoke an emotion and challenge someone that's that's quite impressive and this movie has done that mary poppins returns has done that and uh, i just appreciate you you, uh, so much taking your time uh, to be with me today Uh, we're very fortunate right here on meet me the movies and cinema scene to have matt johnson who is the visual effects supervisor for mary poppins returns and he's done tons of films Uh, just go look at his body of work on imdb and you'll be uh, kind of amazed at the different types of things that he's done uh, any final thoughts you want to share about Mary Poppins or about filmmaking in general that uh, that you think is worthy for our audience to know? I mean, I think I'd, I'd just like to say to sort of and a, and a kids or your students listening to this is like, don't give up. You know, sometimes if you work, I mean, it's going to be hard work and don't forget it. But if you, if you work really hard, you know, sometimes dreams can come true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, best of success for you and and let me ask you this, if we've got any budding visual effects artists out there, whether they're six years old or 16-year-olds, what magazines and what materials should they read? Cinefacts. There you go. 100%. That's the Bible, for sure. That's the one. That, if, if it was good enough for me at 11, that, that, uh, that would be the, that, that's definitely the, sort of the go-to uh, publication. And then, again, if you just Google visual effects, there's so much, there's so many companies are putting breakdowns and before and afters and things like that online now. And they're a really good thing to look at because you get to see the, the finished the finish shot, but then you kind of see all the like 
the bits that are green screen, the bits are CG. So many of the big effects houses uh, will have breakdowns. Or if you just Google whatever your favorite movie is, VFX, chances are you'll you'll see that kind of before and after reels on YouTube or whatever. Matt Johnson, our guest right here on WGWG and C19TV's Meet Me at the Movies and Cinema Scene. Thank you again, Matt. Really appreciate it. And for our listeners, thank you. You can always email us at info at wgwg.org, and you can follow us at CinemaScene USA. Till next time, that is a wrap.